In the middle of an international pandemic that saw economies grind to a sudden halt and hundreds of thousands die, one man's death sparked outrage. George Floyd's death reignited Black Lives Matter protests and calls for the end of systemic racism and police brutality. Paired with the injustices experienced by Indigenous peoples for centuries, Canadians are beginning to look at our country and history in a new light. But hope for real justice and equality in this country is not lost. I'm Adam Toy. And I'm Dave McIver. And this is why. As of this recording, it's been two months since the suffocation death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Since then, there have been protests in thousands of cities and towns around the world, with millions marching in the streets in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and decrying police brutality and systemic racism. Over the past few weeks here on This Is Why, we've taken a brief break from our coronavirus pandemic coverage to explore issues of hate and discrimination. We looked at the forgotten history of black people in Canada with Cheryl Fogo and the hard realities of being black in this country right now with Anthony N. Morgan. But many black Canadians don't feel they have that space to be able to say those things honestly. And so the psychological impact of that is it, it can be suffocating. It creates a, a suffocating experience of being black in Canada. Dr. Christopher Wells helped us understand conversion therapy in Canada. What underlies conversion therapy, all of the different kinds of practices and techniques, is this anti-LGBTQ ideology that inherently there's something sinful, immoral, or pathological with being a lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender person. Therefore, you have to be changed in order to be quote-unquote normal. And Rai Moran joined us to look at the effects of centuries-long history between imperial governments and Indigenous peoples. And at the end of all of that, we were left but no other conclusion to call this cultural genocide, which is, you know, is genocide. Because the goal and intent of all of this has been to eliminate Indigenous peoples as Indigenous peoples from this country. That's what the primary goal is, and that's what we have to come to terms with as Canada. So let's look at how to come to terms with all of this history of hate. Speaking of history, here's Cheryl Fogo, a Calgarian whose work includes the research and retelling of the life of John Ware, an early notable black cowboy in Western Canada, on the state of black history in this country. We don't know our own history in Canada. We do not, we, we get a, a very narrow version of Canadian history through the schools. That was the case in my day. Mm-hmm. It was the case in my kids' day. It's the case of kids in schools right now. We don't get an education that encompasses the negative aspects of our history. Um, so on some level, it is not surprising that Canadians do not understand the extent of racism that has been a part of our history from the very beginning, even though everyone knows we, you know, this, this land was stolen from people who were here. And then we, we, we had generation of gen, generation after generation of policies designed to disenfranchise and disadvantage the people who were living here when when settlers started coming, mm-hmm. uh, when European settlers started coming. Um, we just don't know our history. Therefore, I think, sometimes I put it, you know, in my film what I say is, uh, 
in my story of John Ware, he is more than a prop in the happy kind of bedtime story that Canadians like to tell ourselves. Um, we we just simply don't know our history. We haven't had access to it. We don't. People, I think, still don't learn about residential schools in in uh, throughout their education mm-hmm. and the terrible, terrible legacy, the devastation that those policies brought about. And people certainly don't even learn. Don't we don't even learn about our own Black history? Black history is just history, right? It should be embedded in every history curriculum across the country, but it's not there. So we not only don't learn about anti-black racism in schools, mm-hmm. we don't even learn just simply about our, our black history. What would the next steps be for Canadians individually and as provinces and as a nation? Do What, what should we be doing to address let's say, anti-black racism to start. It sounds like you're advocating for education. Absolutely. There are, there are so many moving pieces to the way that systemic racism works that a, a really important first step is just looking at all the different ways that racism impacts the lives of all people in this country. And education is a huge one. And that's the piece that I... I um, have focused my energy as a, a historian and a researcher and, and an author on. It is one small piece. There are many, many other um, aspects of our society that have to be looked at and perhaps dismantled because incremental change is, is too slow and it, it seems to be so easily unraveled. I think we need to look at some more radical ideas. Now, I'm not saying that having curriculum that addresses black history is radical. It's not. Mm-hmm. That's not radical at all. It should, that goes without saying. But I think there are, there are people, you ask me, you know, what, what should Canadians do? And I think Canadians should read books written by black and indigenous authors that talk about systemic racism. So, for example, uh, a woman named Robin Maynard has written a book called Policing Black Lives, Black Lives and it, it um, goes back, you know, more than 100 years just looking at systemic racism in our policing and justice system. Um, Desmond Cole's book, The Skin We're In, just takes one year and, and goes month by month and outlines ways in which systemic racism has impacted the lives of people. There are, there are many educational resources out there. There's a podcast called The Secret Life of Canada that many teachers are using because they don't have access to those stories and that material in the resources that they're given by the official channels that pass these things down. Yeah, I think, I think education and knowledge is one is one tool. The reason I believe that is because many, many people still view any brown or black person they see on the street, unless they're indigenous, as a newcomer. I I think most Canadians have no idea that Alberta and Saskatchewan's 
black history goes back 140, 150 years. People have no idea. People have no idea about the black migration of 1910 and our many connections to uh, the history of enslavement, both in Canada and in the United States. So I think that's important. I, I am not saying that that is going to be a cure-all. It is one small piece of the problem that I work on, and it has to be looked at in concert with all the other pieces that other really smart people are looking at as well. Anthony N. Morgan is a racial justice lawyer and the manager of the City of Toronto's Confronting Anti-Black Racism Unit. He had some thoughts on systemic ways to address anti-black racism. Adopting and committing to a time-based, measurable plan. So you say that black unemployment is at X number. So we want to make sure that by year 2030, black unemployment is lower by whatever figure. There's experts who could figure that out. Same thing with incarceration. You might say black people are just 3.5% of the population, but they are 8.6% of those who are incarcerated. So how do we create systems within our society to create healthier communities, better job opportunities, so black people are not getting involved in elements of crime because there's not jobs for them. They're living in precarious housing and uh, not being able to support themselves and ultimately create a pathway towards lowering that. Same thing for uh, child care services or housing or health care services or education, looking at our different social systems and saying, okay, what is our numbers? What are our numbers? And so to find that out, of course, we all have to adopt the practice of collecting and reporting race-based disaggregated data so that, so that means understanding who you're serving, who you're not serving, who works in your organization, who doesn't work in your organization. Once you collect that information, then you can benchmark, and then you can set targets and aims and goals. And it's not about quotas. It's about equity. It's about deciding that, wow, these disparities, the difference between what black people represent in society and their rate of disadvantage is way out of whack, and it's not consistent with our Canadian values. So we're committed to adopting a plan, which I think all levels of government uh, and, and regions across the country should be considering doing the way the city of Toronto has done to say, okay, we are going to now take action towards addressing after the break talking about issues of racism talking about issues of sexism all of these issues are linked together right um so the best thing we can go out and do is have conversations have brave and open conversations rather than uh trying to attack what we don't understand welcome back to this is why In the middle of a pandemic, a worldwide anti-racism movement has found its voice, calling out systemic racism and police brutality. Now, discrimination and brutality based on appearance and behavior are issues the LGBTQ movement have been fighting against, first marked by the Stonewall riots of 1969. Those riots began the Pride movement and June as Pride Month. 2020 has seen a number of jurisdictions introduce and explore legislation to ban conversion therapy. Conversion therapies are often offered by faith or faith-adjacent groups. Dr. Christopher Wells is the Associate Professor and Canada Research Chair for the Public Understanding of Sexual and Gender Minority Youth at McEwen University in Edmonton. 
we have to talk about, you know, the research that's out there that still shows us that, you know, LGBTQ people are one of the three most targeted groups for hate crimes in Canada. And of all the hate crimes committed, they're often the most violent in nature. We're not talking about one stab wound, we're talking about 40 stab wounds. We're talking about people are not even seen as people, as humans, but as objects to be destroyed. That's the level of hate, um, you know, we're, we're still right now, and rightfully so, uh, finally talking about issues of racism. Right. Well, it's often been said, you know, racism, sexism and homophobia all go hand in hand. Right. It's about attacking and hating the other because they're different than you. And where difference is something to be feared instead of something to be celebrated and embraced. So, you know, we're, we're having a powerful reckoning uh, in our society uh, when it comes to issues of racism, when it comes to issues of sexism, homophobia and transphobia. Um, and these are really important conversations that we should be having because hate is a learned value. No one is born with hate in their heart. Hate is something that is taught to people. Prejudice is something that is taught to people. And so, you know, perhaps we can be optimistic and hopeful if hate is something that is learned, it is also something that can be unlearned. And that's where this important, these dialogues that we're having, the protests that are being held, why we have Pride Month and Pride Parades and festivals to begin with. Right. We always like to remind people pride was born out of protest. It was born out of persecution, it was born out of the struggle for rights and respect and visibility. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest acts for any LGBTQ person is to come out and be visible and be visible in your family, be visible in your faith community, be visible uh, in society. Because, you know, one of the best ways to and most effective ways to reduce prejudice and discrimination is by simply getting to know a, the other person who is different than you, right? Is that common humanity showing that despite, you know, our sexual orientation, despite our gender identity, despite our race, despite our sex, we're the same. We're all humans, right? We're all on this planet together, um, and it's our differences that should unite us rather than separate us. Talking about issues of racism, talking about issues of sexism, all of these issues are linked together, right? Um, so the best thing we can go out and do is have conversations, have brave and open conversations, rather than uh, trying to attack what we don't understand, sit and rest in that space of being uncomfortable, of being uh, uncertain, and sometimes being afraid. Right. Instead of being afraid to have a conversation because we we think we might say the wrong thing, we might offend someone. Um, it's go out, educate ourselves, find those allies, those safe spaces where we can begin to have open conversations, because it's fundamental to the health and well-being of our society and to the future survival of our planet. Now, in addition to being Pride, June is also National Indigenous History Month, with the 21st being National Indigenous Peoples Day. Rai Moran is the director of the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation, located at the University of Manitoba in Winnipeg. In our last episode, he said that, at the outset, the concept and goal of Canada has been to gain control of the land and its resources from Indigenous peoples across the continent. So we asked Rai what Canadians can do to come to terms with the past and help with the process of righting wrongs. Really, I think, tune in to the conversations that are happening. So uh, there's a lot of, um, there's many, many calls sounding very, very loudly in the world right now for justice. And 
people need to tune into those conversations. You know, be it Black Lives Matter, be it calls for environmental justice or, you know, improving our relationship or rectifying our relationship with the land, be it the calls of Indigenous peoples. These are all really legitimate calls, and they're well-considered, well-thought-out, and very, very pressing, and they're fundamentally about, you know, improving humanity and in ensuring that we have a strong and stable and resilient society that will carry us the distance so that we're leaving our kids a better world than we've lived in. So tune in. That's a really big one. The second part of that is you can do lots to better inform yourself and better educate yourself. You know, so be it, you know, reading more books, be it uh, watching more films. I mean, these are simple things that you can do. Instead of flipping over the indigenous story in the newspaper when you're reading it, read it. Ask yourself what's going on and ask yourself maybe if there's elements that I don't understand, why don't I understand those? If you're in a workplace or if you're, and that's a, if you're in a business, if you're in a professional sector, if you're in a university or a school, ask why you're not receiving training on all of this. Because all employers, all workplaces, have been called upon to provide training to their staff. So ask for that. If you're politically minded and if you're interested in politics, ask your politicians. Ask your local members of the you know, legislative assembly or uh, school council or whatever it is, um, what they're doing to address this. And then lastly, if you see racism, if you hear it, if you see somebody um, speaking or acting in a manner that is racist or prejudiced or violently ignorant, do something about it. Stand up. Because this, has, this fight has to be carried by all of us. It can't just be the fight of Indigenous peoples anymore. It can't just be the fight of, of, of people of color. We all have a responsibility to stand up against injustice when we see it because we all benefit from it and the sooner we can really tackle the big questions of racism in this country, uh, the better we're all going to be for it. This is Why is produced by me, Dave McIver, and Adam Toy. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can reach us by email, thisiswhy at globalnews.ca, and on Twitter at thisiswhy. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to This Is Why so you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you soon. 